The shows you love with even more local news and more local talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome to this Wednesday afternoon edition of the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas with you, your personal concierge for conversation. Very, very happy to be back with you. And uh, my thanks, especially to Congressman Richard Pombo and also to our election specialist and political analyst, Josh Whitfield, for guest hosting the past two days. I'll fill you in on why I was gone. Won't belabor that, but I, as good, loyal radio audience listeners, you deserve to know, so I'll just brief you on that in a couple of minutes. Before we do that, though, uh, I do want to uh, note the tragic news coming out of uh, Indiana uh, Representative Jackie Walorski, Republican from Indiana, died in a car crash in Elkhart County, Indiana, today, along with three other people. Apparently, uh, Walorski's car with two passengers heading southbound on Route 19. A car was heading northbound and veered left, apparently, into them. And uh, four occupants, uh, one of the car that had veered left, and three occupants in Walorski's car all apparently died. Uh, She was an Air Force veteran, served as a missionary in Romania, and as an Indiana legislator. And I understand her communications director, Emma Thompson, who I believe to be probably in her mid to late 20s, and a gentleman by the name of Zachary Potts of the St. Joseph County Republican Party uh, were in the car killed as uh, well. So our condolences and our prayers with uh, the Walorski family, uh, with those of uh, her co-workers in Congress, and especially uh, the families as well of Emma Thompson and uh, Zachary Potts. Just a tragic uh, report today. Again, our Our prayers with all those family members and uh, co-workers, too. Very, uh, very quickly, and uh, I want to hit this. I have a purpose in doing this. My my nature is not to talk about personal stuff. Uh, However, as loyal radio audience members and as friends here on The Mike Douglas Show, uh, I think I owe it to you to know why I was gone. And so I'm going to do this very briefly, but with a point. And we'll get to the point a little bit later. There's an application here to why I'm telling you about this. I was gone Monday and Tuesday. I had uh, some fairly uh, complicated eye surgery on Monday on my right eye. I had uh, the same type of surgery almost on my left eye back in uh, February. And uh, at that time, the, uh, the, the problem was they installed this little device. Can, isn't it amazing to you that they can install a little stint called a Hydra? By the way, those of you who followed the, uh, the television series Marvel uh, know about Hydra, a bad thing, right? Well, this is a good Hydra, and it's, it's a stint that's designed to arrest glaucoma. Anyway. Uh, a very small amount of people react negatively. Normally, there's a little bit of reaction to that when it's implanted in your eye. 
Um, they don't put you all the way out, but they make you very sleepy at that point. It just boggles my mind how they insert this little Star Trek gizmo in your eye, for goodness sakes. Now, I've been assured, I've been assured that this little Hydra gizmo is not broadcasting my GPS locations to the NSA. I'm assured that it is strictly a medical advice, so I, I trust them with that. But anyway... Back in February, uh, I was one of a very small percentage of people whose eyes don't like that. And uh, I won't go into why because it's kind of gross, especially if you haven't had dinner yet. But anyway, the eye reacts to it. And because of that, I I wasn't able to see for about uh, two or three weeks. Uh, It took it that long for the eye to to come back and, and be full. So, full vision. All right, so I had the... A similar procedure on Monday with some added procedures mixed in. And, uh, well, sure, I said to the doctor before the surgeon, before the surgery, I said, you know, I know I was one of a very small percentage of people who had a negative reaction to this in my left eye. What are the odds of this happening in the right eye? They said, well, there's always a chance, but, you know, you've already been through it once and yeah, it would be statistically really absurd if you were to have it again. Well, guess what? Yeah, uh, my eye, my right eye didn't like it either. And so uh, at the moment, I'm seeing out of my right eye at about 5 to 10% uh, vision. Uh, imagine, it sounds like Rod Serling, imagine if you will. Imagine if you will, you know, you're on a trip, you're staying in a hotel with, uh, you take a shower in the hotel bathroom there and and the mirror fogs up right that's what it looks like can't see anything and so at this point i'm at about 90 percent fog and eh, maybe five to ten percent uh visibility and they expect that to clear up over time so the problem is on the left eye i have monovision and so the left eye is made for very short vision uh, to read with, which is fine and dandy, except I also have a permanent blind spot on my left eye. So as I'm reading, I have a combination of uh, 90% fog in one eye and trying to read, well, reading around that blind spot in the left eye. All that to say, I'm happy to be back, and I know that in the near future, uh, the right eye that has been operated on will clear up, I will have full vision, and uh, be very, very happy to have that back. Now, why did I even, why did I bore you with those details? Because I learned some things about me that I want to share with you to see maybe if it's something that might be beneficial to you. Maybe, maybe not, but let me offer this. First of all, when this first happened back in February on the other way, that first night, I didn't know that if you had this problem with not being able to see through the eye after a surgery, that it would definitely come back. And I began to think about, what if I never see out of that eye before? Now, it didn't bother me till about 10.30 at night when it was quiet, and I was thinking too hard about it. And I actually, I'm pretty even keel. I got a little anxious about that. This time, the same thing, same problem with having obscured vision. I know that it's going to uh, clear up, but that first night, Monday night, still had a little bit of anxiety. But what I was reminded of is 
that I need to be thankful and grateful for what I have and not allow what I don't have, either temporarily or permanently, to become the issue. And so I'm, I'm reminded to be thankful and grateful for what I have. Secondly, the mental game is always crucial. How we think, how we process through our worldview during a tough time affects our healing. It affects our health. It affects our, our future performance. So the mental game, and I've learned this from my nurse practitioner wife, the mental game is always so important. And it's not to be phony positive. It's to acknowledge what is, but also the fact that I am willing to push through whatever challenge is before me, even if it's an uncooperative eyeball, and really think about what I can do in terms of thinking about good healing and exercising and doing all the things I need to do to make sure that healing takes place and and thinking about positive results. Again, not in a naive way, but in a realistic way. The mental game is so important. And then never give up. Never give up. You know me. I'm typically a glass-half-full type of guy. Not a naive one, but I'm, I'm a cautious optimist, and I I believe in never giving up, to persevere under trial, persevere under trial, and then to appropriately, uh, let me underline appropriately, push the limits of whatever it might be. All right, so like right now, I am without any type of glasses. I am straining as hard as I can to read what I need to read and I'm pushing the limits to make my eye work as hard as it can right now. And uh, that, that goes for other things, too. I believe that when we're enduring trials and tribulations, we need to appropriately push the limits in order to get where we want to go. And then, uh, finally, to be honest and real with others. Now, there's a limit to that, I think, because we can overwhelm other people with our stuff. We can, we can overwhelm. It, it is good to share our burdens appropriately with other folks, but to be sensitive to not overwhelm them because they aren't in our shoes, and many times they can't relate. And so uh, my, my dear, loving, best half of my life, nurse practitioner, wife, uh, I'm honest with her what I, what, about how I'm feeling, but I also attempt not to overwhelm her with where I am at the moment, to share appropriately where I'm at, but not to overwhelm her as, uh, as well. So those are my lessons learned from the past couple of days. I don't know if those mean anything to you or are beneficial to you, uh, but if they are, I'll offer those to you, and uh, hopefully that you will find them beneficial in your life as well. I'll tell you something else that's beneficial in life, and that is to have some help when you want to sell your home. Interest rate hikes are slowing home price growth in some areas, but you can still get top dollar for your home right now with Dan Phipps. Are you worried about leaving money on the table? Well, call the agent I recommend, Dan Phipps. 
Dan's proprietary system. It's designed to maximize your sales price and guarantee multiple offers in 72 hours for a full market value, or he'll sell it for free. You are in complete control. No required costly repairs, no long-term contracts, and you pick your move date. Now, Matthew and Misty in Riverbank, they know all about it. They had a mess, they said, with their rental home. They were getting less than their payment, and they're owing more than they thought they could get in a sale. But they consulted Dan, and they said Dan delivered a miracle, setting a record price for their neighborhood and freeing them to move on. So call Dan Phipps. Dan is the man I recommend. He's the only agent to guarantee multiple offers in 72 hours or it's sold free. Call Dan Phipps, 209-593-1111, or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three Ps, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S dot com. Mike Douglas Show continues in three minutes, right here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's more with the voice of the valley, Mike Douglas on Power Talk 1360 KFIV and streamed on the iHeartRadio app. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on this Wednesday afternoon on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas with you, your concierge for conversation. And uh, upcoming, uh, I want to talk a little bit about monkeypox again and the governor's declaration and uh, we also uh, some interesting things about uh, a drug den bill. And then I also want to touch on uh, Mr. Paul Pelosi, the husband of Nancy Pelosi, what's going on with uh, his, uh, his case. Uh, before we do that, though, and as you know, I am a native Southern Californian. I was born and raised in Pasadena, California, a little bit in Altadena, a little bit in Arcadia, but Pasadena is my hometown. And I know, I know, I'm going to say this, and a lot of you will grow fangs and start howling at the moon, but I grew up as a Dodger fan. I mean, that's where I was. That, I mean, I grew up bleeding blue and the cardinal and gold of the USC Trojans. That's just where I came from. And so I, um, I, a sad thing, and as, as you heard, that Vin Scully has uh, passed away at the age of 94. Uh, Scully, of course, the voice of the L.A. Dodgers for 67 years. Just uh, an amazing man. He's in, uh, he's in the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. He's uh, got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, Emmy Awards. And uh, let, let me set this up because this is one of, and I, I heard, I heard him call Sandy Koufax's perfect game. And I heard him uh, call many of the great things. He is undoubtedly one of the, if not uh, the greatest baseball broadcasters in, in all of history. Uh, but let me take it back because this, uh, this is, this is classic. It, it will be remembered for for years and years and decades and decades, I'm sure. So let me set this up. October 15, 1988, World Series Game 1 between the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Oakland A's. Bottom of the ninth, Game 1 of the 88 World Series in Los Angeles. Oakland A's are up 4-3. to three. Dennis Eckersley is on the mound for the A's. Uh, pinch hitter Mike Davis for the Dodgers gets to first base. And then they call up. Kirk Gibson. Now, Kirk Gibson, as a pinch hitter, didn't start the game. 
because he had injured, he had injuries to both legs, for goodness sakes. Yet the coach of the time, Tommy Lasorda, decided to send Kurt Gibson to the plate to pinch hit. Now remember, it's bottom of the ninth, two outs, the Dodgers are run behind, two outs, bottom of the ninth inning. The winning run potentially is on first base in, uh, in the person of Mr. Smith. So Kurt Gibson comes up to the plate, a little gimpy looking. He fouls off a couple of pitches. He does a, a battle there with Dennis Eckersley, and ultimately it's a, <clears throat> it's a full count, three and two. Three balls, two strikes, two outs, so it's down to one pitch. Man on second now in scoring position, having stolen a base with Gimpy Kirk Gibson ready for, I think it was the eighth pitch. Here's the call by Vin Scully. Sacks waiting on deck, but the game right now is at the plate. High fly ball into right field. She is gone! In a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. That is classic Vin Scully. And that that visual is seared into my mind. And Vin Scully, here's what I appreciated uh, about him. Uh, gr- growing up in Los Angeles, I uh, since my earliest days of knowing what a transistor radio was and being gifted with one, I think the first voice I heard on that transistor radio was Vin Scully and, at the time, Jerry Doggett uh, calling a Dodger baseball game. Every spring, I anxiously waited for Vin Scully's friendly voice to waft over the AM airwaves because somehow his melodious, friendly, guy-next-door voice seemed to say... All is well with the world. He just, his his voice just communicated that. Now, back in 2016, uh, I was at Dodger Stadium with my family, courtesy of my sister. And we had the privilege of seeing Vin Scully honored at his retirement in 2016 at Dodger Stadium. The umpires saluted him, and there were several baseball dignitaries on a platform on the field with Vin Scully, including the great pitcher, Sandy Koufax. And uh, we all had the, you know how they put uh, pictures of people on a little stick and you hold it in front of your face. I still, in fact, let me do it. I'm going to, I've got the Vin Scully picture in front of my face right now in front of the mic. Can you see it? No, probably not. But anyway, I've got it here. Uh, And I heard uh, Vin Scully speak at several venues around Southern California, uh, 2016, 2017. And, In person, he seemed to be just like his AM radio voice. Friendly, humble, neighborly, and he was was also a very strong man of faith. I I don't have many heroes because I don't make icons out of people, but in the sports broadcasting realm, I think Vin Scully was the best of the best. And I doubt there will be anyone like Vin Scully ever again. And so for those of you who are not are not Dodger fans, thank you for letting me relate that because I, I think he uh, I think he deserves uh, the kudos that uh, that he is uh, receiving. So that, that's my tribute 
to uh, Vin Scully. Hey, did you read this uh, in Modesto? A Modesto man will serve life in prison after being found guilty on four counts of second-degree murder. If you remember this back in 2019, uh, his um, he uh, Felix Ferdin is his name. Apparently, he was at a barbecue at his home. He had seven beers. You know, when you, as a cop, when you stop people, you ask, how many beers do you have? They always say, two beers. Right. Well, he had had seven beers around, almost, sort of. Got into his car with a blood alcohol content twice, almost twice the legal limit, and drove his car into a series home. He killed the residents there, uh, Marie Luz Jacinto Hernandez and her three children. So he is going to serve uh, 120 years to life in prison for that deadly crash. Do you think that's an appropriate you think it's an appropriate sentence? I'm all about the life sentence. He egregiously caused the death of three people, including two children. And he should never, ever, 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 ever get out of prison. Just my thoughts. What do you think? An appropriate sentence? We'll talk about it. And uh, some more headlines coming up in five minutes here on uh, The Mike Douglas Show. Our telephone number, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. Conversation continues in five minutes. Mike Douglas Show, Power Talk 1360, KFIV. Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 1360 KFIV is your place online. Let's get social with Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And let's get the conversation going as well. 209-551-3483, our number 209 209- Five five one three four eight three. I've been talking about this case in Modesto. It goes back to 2019 when uh, Felix Ferdin, F-E-R-D-I-N, uh, loaded himself up with uh, at least seven beers, got into his car with a blood alcohol content almost twice the legal limit, was driving to Ceres, drove his car into a home in Ceres. Killed a, uh, a mother there and uh, her three children. I misspoke a while ago. Three children, not just two. Three children. Uh, caused the death of four people, a mother and her three children. He was uh, apparently uh, got tanked up at, his, uh, at a barbecue at his own home. So he has been sentenced to 120 years to life in prison for that daily crash. Do you think that's, uh, think that's an appropriate Sentence, do you think it ought to be stronger? What do you think? 209-551-3483. I have a very little tolerance for people who cause the deaths of others when it's avoidable. And I also, let me turn that around a little bit, I also feel, as my personal opinion, that People sometimes put themselves, because of their bad choices, into positions of 
being killed, sometimes by law enforcement, sometimes uh, by traffic accidents, whatever. I don't have a whole lot of tolerance for feeling bad about them because choices have consequences. In the real world, in God's economy, choices have consequences. In the woke world, in the world in which a lot of people in Sacramento and Washington, D.C. live, there are no choices for consequences, unless they are in charge of the consequences. And then it's their choice about what the consequence is. But you see, there's a higher law. There's a higher power at work here. And that's what a lot of folks in Sacramento and Washington, D.C. do not understand. That's what a lot of district attorneys don't understand. And a lot of attorneys general don't understand, don't you think? I mean, look, look at the recalls going. It is not uh, the people are getting upset about their uh, district attorneys across the nation right now. And I think of the fact that George Soros has been responsible for uh, funding a lot of them. What is his problem? Why does he hate the United States of America so much as it is? He's Hungarian, isn't he? Am I got that right? I think he is. Thinking back to Hungary. I may have brought this up once in a while, but it's a funny story every time I think of Hungary. We were, uh, my wife and I were uh, doing uh, uh, some seminars in Slovenia, and we took some side trips, uh, trips to some other Eastern European countries, and we got to the border at Hungary, and there was a little... Uh, a uh, young lady who was the border guard there, uh, she was not real tall. In fact, her rifle was pretty much as tall as she was. We get to the border, and, and she asked me for my identification, passport, and all that. I gave that to her, and she looks at it, looks at it. And it's quite a few minutes before she comes back, and she says, uh, just a few moments, please. So she goes back, and I see her messing with the computer. Well, as it turned out, she saw Michael Douglas, and she says, this does not look like the Michael Douglas, the movie star. Uh, this this guy's obviously, I mean, you know, he, he doesn't have the looks. Uh, he, he just, he doesn't have that star quality. Uh, this is not uh, Michael Douglas. He, he must be an imposter. So anyway, apparently, uh, she finally tumbled to the fact that our names were spelled slightly differently. And uh, But I, I was thinking at the time, what happens if we get taken into custody uh, because of a mistaken identity in Hungary, will anyone know? Will, will we ever get out again? Anyway, it was one of those uh, times where I can look back at it now and think it was funny, but it, it wasn't too funny back then. Well, back to George Soros. Why do you think he is so intent on destroying the United States of America? We know that he puts a lot of money behind these woke politicians and especially woke district attorneys and attorneys general. I don't understand his hatred for the United States of America. Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. Also talking about uh, this gentleman in Modesto that got tanked up on uh, on too many beers and killed a mother and her three children by running into that. Now, obviously, he I, I know that he hadn't planned 
to uh, to run his car into the house. No, nobody would do that. But obviously, he was inebriated. He wasn't thinking right. But he had to know that drunk driving is a no-no, not just because it's against the law, because you put yourself and others in danger. So I, you know, 20 year, 120 years to life, I am hoping. I am. And I'm talking about justice in both cases. Don't you think there's some injustice in how some of these people are later paroled? Don't you think it's an injustice for a, a billionaire upon billionaire like George Soros to destroy what countries he decides to destroy just because he has a lot of money? It's just something, there's injustice in, in both cases. And uh, both are worthy of exploring and both are worthy of remembering come November of this year when we have our uh, midterm elections. And again, we will do our best as we come up to November to give you as much information as we can so you can make well-reasoned, intelligent, well-read, and well-informed decisions on the issues you're going to be voting upon. And there are a couple of propositions this time. There were, there were none. There were no propositions uh, back on, uh, on June 7, but there will be uh, coming up in November, and, um, and we will be, uh, we will be uh, exploring that. And this also brings up, in my mind, the reality that, especially on the federal level, there are at least two levels of justice going on. Justice is not blind anymore. Remember the the statue of, of justice and she has a blindfold on? Justice is supposed to be blind. And so the the conviction or not, the acquittal, the acquittal, the conviction, the sentence, if there is a conviction, all of that should be meted out on the basis of the facts, on the basis of the rule of law. And we're seeing time and time again that's not happening up in, especially in the hallowed halls of Washington, D.C. We see the exact opposite happening. We see the Hunter Bidens getting away with atrocious activities that you and I would be in federal prison for at this point. But you see, there's a, there's a separate level of justice at work there, isn't it? The privileged uh, don't get charged. And yet, you know, grandmothers who happen to be in the Capitol at, on uh, January 6, 2021, you know, they're thrown in prison. And it, uh, it, it just comes back to these, these different levels of justice that we ought not to have, which makes these elections so, so, so important. And uh, so, again, we will, um, we will explore, especially some of the propositions coming up uh, in November 2022 to make sure that, uh, that you get as much information as possible. Now, in Stanislaus County here, uh, there are... Uh, there are there are no other candidates for DA. There's only one running. Uh, there was only one in the primary, so he will become the DA. Same thing with the sheriff. Very interesting that in Stanislaus County, at least, I, and I'm doing this from memory, I think we had maybe six, six offices that were uncontested. And uh, there, there was a, a Modesto B op-ed 
that criticized that. I don't know that I'm particularly upset by that. I think if people are doing a good job and the public thinks they're doing a good job and other people that really don't care to run for that office think they're doing a decent job, then I'm I'm not particularly upset. I'd rather see an office uncontested than unqualified people run for the office and risk the chance of uh, being elected. Have we not seen that happen mm-hmm. in recent history? So I don't have any problem with these uncontested offices. So uh, very important November 2022 coming up. And uh, towards the end of this week, we're going to start the countdown. We'll start the countdown on the days remaining until uh, November 8, 2022. And again, my encouragement to you is not to be discouraged, but to vote. We have so many, uh, so many things that, uh, so many principles that we need to vote for. Well, you never vote for a principle, Mike. Well, yes, you do. When you vote for an individual, you are voting for principles and whether that individual has them or not. Does uh, the DA you may be voting for. Again, not in Stanislaus County. There's not a choice here, but in other counties in our area, if you have a DA race, are you voting for someone who has the principles that you support, who believes in enforcing the law, not making their own judgment calls according to their own ideas? That's not what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to enforce the law and ask for sentences that are appropriate for that particular law, and we don't see that. And I I am still amazed. I don't know about you. I'm still amazed that the people of San Francisco recalled uh, Chesa Bodine. I would think San Francisco would, uh, would be the last place that would recall their DA, but I think there are enough decent people of principle in every city across this nation, in every city of California. California, I believe there are enough people of principle that are getting ticked off enough at this point that have had it, that have reached their, uh, their tipping point with the ridiculousness and the various levels of, of law enforcement that are happening. I believe there are enough people that the scales may get tipped come November 2022. And to me, it's not about, yay, the Republicans are back. I'm I'm telling those folks that are rebu- uh, running under the Republican name, you better show up and have some spine. You better show up and have some spine if you win in November 2022 because we're going to be asking a lot of you. And I, frankly, we don't need any more weak-kneed Republicans. We need people who are dedicated to principle. If there were a lot of Democrats of principle in California, uh, politicians, I'm, I might vote for them. I just can't find any, or many anyway. People of principle. Look at, we need to look at their voting records. Are they voting principle? Are they voting to support the rule of law? Or are they in this woke bubble? And is the uh, the aroma of power and money so overwhelming that they are already showing signs of buckling at the knees? Well, those are things we need to consider, and we'll continue the conversation about them in, uh, in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show. We'll be back on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. 
A pastor with passion. A minister with manners. Now, back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back. Mike Douglas here. So happy to be back with you today here on this Wednesday afternoon. We're talking about George Soros a couple of minutes ago. And again, I'm I'm always curious as to why this guy hates the United States of America so much. Why uh, why he is out to destroy it as it is. One of our listeners just uh, emailed a message to me. He says, uh, now I'm doing this with my one good eye that has a blind spot, so I'm hoping I'm getting it right. Soros has made his money, he says, bankrupting currencies and nations. Ergo, ergo rather, more chaos in a country, the more unstable it is which then is an open door for his profit, just follow the money to and from a source. Great point. All about the dollar, and I, especially for a billionaire, I, I, think you're, uh, abs- I think you have a great point. Absolutely right there. A phone number, uh, phone number 209-551-3483, as we talk about issues of justice, various levels of justice. We've talked about this man in uh, Modesto drove to a series of drunk after at least seven beers, apparently, ran into a house, killed a mother and her three children. He got uh, 120 years to life, and uh, I am I am hoping that he is never paroled. I don't know if uh, parole was not a factor there, but I am I I, I never I never put anything past the very woke influencers of our society and elected officials to to take a guy like that and somehow reduce the sentence or let him out at some point. And then, uh, of course, (laughs) you, uh, I'm sure, are aware of the fact that uh, Mr. Pelosi, multimillionaire Paul Pelosi, was charged uh, with a crime after he uh, apparently or allegedly rammed his Porsche into a Jeep. This was last May, remember, in Napa Valley. The uh, passengers of the Jeep were okay, but Pelosi's eyes, according to the police report, were glazed, and officers say he displayed clear signs of intoxication. And then there's this uh, report circulating around, and this this gets me. This is, this goads me, actually. The report is that Mr. Pelosi offered the arresting officers a card that indicated that he donates to police charities. Now, I don't know about you. Put, put yourself in the position of, of being a police officer. You pull a guy over. Now, the name Pelosi, especially uh, in, in Napa Valley, you know who it is. And he hands you a card identifying himself, allegedly, as a donor to police charities. Now, if you were the cop that, what would go through your mind? What what would you do? To me, that's eh, not that's eh, not really bribery, but it's showing a lack of character. It's showing I have lots of money. I donate to your causes, to your charities, 
and therefore whatever you're arresting me for, you need to think twice about that because I have lots of money. I don't know about you, but I, I think that shows the man has no character. Poor character, anyway. That, that just irks me no end. I don't know. Does that bother you? If you were a multi... Let me ask you this. If you were a multimillionaire and you gave to police charities and you got pulled over for alleged uh, DUI and, and you crashed into somebody, you, you rammed your Porsche into a Jeep, uh, at least you rammed your Porsche into a Lamborghini or something, but he rammed it into a Jeep. Would Would you... Would you have the gall, and maybe if you're inebriated, that's the issue, would you have the gall to pull out a card, hand it to the police officers, and think that they ought to let you off having caused a crash because you're driving under the influence? Would you have the gall to give a card like that to a police officer and expect them to let you go? Would you do that? I don't think, I don't want to speak for you. But knowing this audience as I do, I don't think you would because from what I hear from your phone calls and your messages, you are people of character. Paul Pelosi, obviously, is not a man of character. And I I don't think we can really blame him being inebriated on that because, as we know, in these type of situations, it's rarely the first time. Rarely the first time. Begin to wonder, did other officers let him off, perhaps? Don't know. Well, coming up in the uh, not-too-distant future, we will be uh, talking about monkeypox and the governor's declaration of an emergency. And I, I don't know about you, but I am... I again, I'll open it up on this. I, I I am not there in terms of the declaration of a major emergency. The declaration, as you know, was made on Monday. Gavin Newsom declared a state of emergency Monday in response to the worsening monkeypox monkeypox outbreak, and it's it's designed to seek additional vaccines and such. Let's talk about that in five minutes. Do you think that's a good idea? Do you think that's worthy, given who the monkeypox affects, how it's spread? Talk about it in five minutes. Mike Douglas Show, Power Talk 1360, KFIV. The show you love, talking about the issues that are important to you. The Voice of the Valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now every weekday from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here again is your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome back to our number two of the Mike Douglas Show here on this Wednesday afternoon. Mike Douglas here, your personal concierge for conversation as we meet midweek here. And again, my thanks uh, for Monday and Tuesday uh, to our guest hosts, Congressman Richard Pombo 
and Josh Whitfield. Josh, of course, our election specialist and political analyst. And uh, thanks to uh, both of those gentlemen, again, Congressman Richard Pombo and uh, Josh Whitfield for guest hosting while I uh, was having uh, my eye surgery and recovering from it. And hopefully in uh, three weeks or so, I'll actually be able to to fully see out of it. That'll be a wonderful time. I know it's coming. And but, uh, you know, some sometimes it's uh, I'm a little bit anxious to get it, get it healing as as soon as possible. By the way, uh, I, I appreciate medical people who have light hearts and make you feel comfortable. Now, for this particular procedure, first of all, they if you've been through this kind of thing before, they mark they put a little mark in, uh, by your eye on top of it. With, with like a Sharpie to make sure they operate on the correct eye. I always appreciate that. I think that's a good thing. I like that procedure. It would be a real bummer if they had done that to the other lie, eye, which they had already done. Uh, and so, but uh, many, many times they, they ask you, and, and which eye is it? It's not that they don't know, but they're confirming with you that you know in my case it was the right eye. So you go in there and they ask this several times and they put a little X there above your eye. And then the surgeon comes in. And uh, the surgeon said, <laughs> I found nur- nurses and anesthesiologists are one thing. Surgeons are, are very serious people, which is probably not a bad thing. So I thought I was being a bit funny. And uh, he said, and so we're going to be operating on your right eye today, right? I said, that would be optimal and he just looked at me, didn't, uh, didn't think that was funny. I, I thought I was being somewhat uh, lighthearted with that. But, it, but the, the nurses were wonderful, and the anesthesiologist was a crack-up. And in this case, they, they don't put you totally out. Part of the operation, you have to be totally awake uh, as they do the laser part of what they do. But when they implant this Hydra... Star Trek stint device, which again, they assure me is not broadcasting my location to the NSA or anybody else. Uh, when the implant that you have to be very, very relaxed, they don't put you all the way out, but you're very, very, very relaxed. And so the, the anesthesiologist was uh, a funny uh, gal. She came in and and uh, they always ask you who you are, what your birth date is. She says, uh, so are we ready? I said, yeah. She says, well, looking over, uh, looking over the history here, turns out I was also your bartender back in February. I thought that was a funny line from an anesthesiologist. And she did a wonderful, wonderful job. So uh, anyway, kudos. And um, uh, again, I'm one of the very, very minute few uh statistical portions of people whose eyes don't like this particular implant. And so you have to look through a fog for a while. But I'll be coming out of the fog soon. It's already actually starting to uh, to clear up a little bit. Uh, so thank you for, uh, for being kind uh, to our guest hosts on Monday and Tuesday and appreciate Richard Pombo, Congressman Richard Pombo, and Josh Whitfield for... Uh, for weighing in and and, uh, handling the mic so well on Monday, Tuesday. All right, monkeypox, monkeypox. Let's talk a little bit about monkeypox. 
The number of monkeypox cases, by the way, for the many of you who live or work in San Joaquin County, there are now six, oh my goodness, count them, six cases in the latest update from public health officials in San Joaquin County. Uh, They're all isolating at home, and they have recovered or are recovering from the viral disease, they say. Now, they also note in this, and this is from uh, the Modesto Bee, they note that the disease is not as contagious as COVID-19. It's spread by contact with infectious sores, scabs, or body fluid. Boy, doesn't that whet your appetite for dinner coming up shortly? Anyway, it's it's spread by contact with infectious sores, scabs, and body fluid. Uh, According to San Joaquin County, a news release, monkeypox can also be spread, they say, by touching items like bedding or towels used by an infected person or through respiratory secretions during close face-to-face contact. Now, that whole phrase to me is a euphemism. What do you think respiratory secretions during close face-to-face contact contact means. Can you translate that for me? 209-551-3483-209-551-3483. Now, as you know, Governor Gavin Newsom on Monday declared a state of emergency because of the monkeypox outbreak. The declaration was needed, quote, to coordinate a whole-of-government response to monkeypox to seek additional vaccines and lead outreach and education efforts on accessing vaccines and treatment. That according to the governor's office. Well, who, there's about 1,100, a little over 1,100 cases statewide. What's our population in California? Four million. We have 1,135 cases of monkeypox, apparently. Now, according to state data, 98% of California residents infected thus far are men. 98% are men. And 97% of the cases were attributed to gay or bisexual activity. So, why are we having a state declaration here uh, uh, why 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 is that necessary why why are we going to have a whole of government response to monkeypox to seek additional vac- I don't mind the vaccine part but to lead outreach and education efforts why why are we spending money on outreach and education efforts for the general populace when 90% of the cases are attributed to gay or bisexual activity. Hmm? Does that seem right to you that tax dollars, because it may be a federal grants that are involved here, but it's our money. Why are we spending all that money for education efforts and outreach to the population of gay and bisexual men who comprise 97% of the cases. 
often, I don't know, maybe you feel this is a good use of, do you think this is a good use of our money? 209-551-3483. The state of emergency has been declared for a small part of our population in California. A small part of the population. The monkeypox is not this widespread virus. And they keep reiterating, it's not a sexually transmitted disease. Well, yes, technically, but looks how it's mostly being spread by close bodily contact. 90% of the cases for gay or bisexual activity, 98% of them men. Doesn't that tell the story how to stop it without a state of emergency? And again, I don't, I don't mind vaccines, but to me, let's let the pharmaceutical companies come up with the vaccines. Let's let them do that instead of the government getting involved again. And uh, I don't really see the need for a state of emergency. Do you? 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. Out of a population of somewhat 40 million, there are 1,135 cases. You realize how small that is? This is not COVID-19. This is monkeypox. 209-551-3483. What do you think about this state of emergency? Are you for it? Think it's worthwhile? You think it's an inappropriate use of our tax dollars? 209-551-3483. The Mike Douglas Show continues in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. He's got issues. Let's talk about it. The Mike Douglas Show, on air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here. We've been talking about uh, Governor Gavin Newsom issuing the state of emergency over monkeypox. And uh, and uh, by the way, there I think there's a I saw this not too long ago. Apparently, uh, Senator uh, Scott Weiner is uh, heading up a committee now, uh, a monkeypox committee. Uh, good grief! So my question to you is: Do you think this is an appropriate thing to do a state of emergency over a population that's affected that? Are 98% men, 97% of the cases attributed to gay or bisexual activity. We know how it's spread. That's not, I mean, it's not just in the air. It's not a COVID-19 situation. What do you think about Governor Gavin Newsom's motivation? You think this is a good thing to have a state of emergency or not? 209-551-3483, our number. Let's go up the road a piece to Lodi. And Ed, Ed, what's your take on the state of emergency by Governor Newsom? <laughs> what emergency? Oh, wait. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I, I think that uh, this, is, this is manufacturing something because I think he... I think he enjoys power. I think he still hasn't withdrawn his COVID stuff. Um, and I think this is just 
once more just the kind of person he's going to be. And if he even runs for president, oh my gosh, he'll be worse than Biden. Um, my my uh, my thoughts are: this is not an emergency. This is a a problem, and it can probably be somewhat contained and and limited. And unless it becomes something that's completely different than it currently is, I don't think this is an emergency at all for the general populace. And I think this is just a way to, who knows, maybe he gets uh, funding, special funding for it. But, you know, I, I again, I think this is just a, uh, a chance for him to, 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 I don't know, be, be, you know, act like a governor in his own mind. My opinion, it's not very, not very real. Um, I even have a nickname. It's not the nicest one, but I call him Gabby Nuisance because the guy can't say anything in, you know, five minutes. He's got to take 45 minutes to say hello. And uh, anyway, um, so I think that uh, this is making a lot of hullabaloo um, out of almost nothing. And uh, if people are just careful and being uh, wary, this this should pass. And uh, we don't need to have a state of emergency for this. Yeah, yeah, a couple and of by good. By the way, I hope you, I hope you heal fast. Oh, well, <laughs> th- <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, by the way, I was talking about the anesthesiologist making a joke that she had been my bartender on the previous uh, surgery. Ed, you'll 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 appreciate this because you you have a good sense of humor. One of our listeners uh, messaged me and said, "When I experience foggy sight, it is usually from the bartender." So, yeah, the, <laughs> my foggy sight is not. That's from the surgery. But, Ed, thanks for the call, and thanks for your good wishes. I appreciate that very much. Ed, Ed from Lodi uh, it, it brings up a good point. He talked about uh, this possibly being a power grab and uh, also referred to the money. Anytime we look at a, a, a move from a politician, you always have to think about power and following the dollar, don't you think? Let's uh, let's go back to the phones. Two zero nine five five one three four eight three. Eric from Modesto. What are your thoughts about this, Eric? I think this is typical Gavin Newsom, simply getting ready for a presidential run, trying to get into the headlines as much as possible. It's so a s s nine to have this guy. Uh, do this. We know who the population is. We know how it's received and how it's passed. A population, what, one-tenth of one percent? And now he's just running for headlines. The guy is a joke. I don't think we're ever going to have any other type of governance in this state because we have mail-in ballots. And it's, it's a sad state of affairs when we have somebody like this running our state. And, uh, and trying to show uh, leadership. And if he calls this leadership, it's kind of like him walking into a restaurant with not a mask on and playing with all of his donors and pretending that uh, he is governing the state in the right way, also having his kids in private school the whole time he's telling all the other parents and all the other kids, uh, yeah, mask up. And, uh, well, let's keep on masking up. The guy's a joke, and the party is a joke. And I used to be a Democrat for way too long. And I opened up my eyes and I got out of the box. And uh, and I don't vote for any particular party. I vote for who I think is going to go best for the country. And uh, this individual is, is just a complete joke. 
Good for you, Eric. I, and I appreciate that comment so much that you're voting for uh, principle. You're, you're voting for accomplishments. You're voting for uh, his, what you expect the candidate to bring. And I, I think that's very healthy. Uh, let me ask you very quickly. We have about a minute or so left. The state of emergency, historically, we think of earthquakes. We think of uh, of droughts. We we think of natural We think of wildfires, states of emergency, uh, in order to get the funding to help recover from the disaster. Eric, what do you think this does to the status and the meaning of a state of emergency? Do you think it, it cheapens it at all? Oh, it doesn't just cheapen it. It throws it in garbage. And, and then throws a bunch of crap on top of that. Um, like you said, it's meant for a specific need. And it's been defined through, I don't know, over 150 years of, you know, use when needed. Uh, you don't just throw it out there like the president throws out uh, executive orders like he's uh, some kind of god. You know, executive orders are turning into legislation that the state and the federal government just doesn't want to deal with. And we have a a one-party state, which is not good in any uh, correlation, whether it's Democrat or Republican. You need a myth. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a joke. And I think he knows all of this, but he doesn't care. And he got thrown with the re-election, but I don't think that had a chance because the way that the votes are are dealt with, with the mail-in ballot and the rest of it. Um, when you have seven states that just stop counting during a presidential election and all happen to be battleground states, uh, that makes you question everything. And that's what people don't understand. It's not President Trump that everybody's going for. It's somebody who they believe is telling the truth. And that's what the American people are missing. And, and most of the time, especially in a democratic state like we have, we don't get the truth. We get propaganda, we get a bunch of crap. We get a lot of spin, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Eric, thanks so much for the call. Appreciate that. Uh, Eric, Eric's not buying it. Are you buying it? The state of emergency? Does this qualify in your mind as a state of emergency? Again, I was in the business. Uh, I worked for the governor's office of emergency services uh, way back when. It was almost 20, almost 30 years ago now. Uh, different place, different time. But as as we look at the power that a governor can hold in California anyway, with that state of emergency in his hand, uh, it, look, Gavin Newsom hasn't let loose of the uh, state of emergency regarding the emergency declaration regarding COVID-19 yet. And it gives him all of this unfettered power. And that's not good. And, and as Eric pointed out, it's especially not good in a uh, in a basically a one political party majority state. Not healthy, not healthy for us. Well, we'll continue uh, the conversation uh, coming up in uh, five minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. Our phone number two zero nine five five one three four eight three. We'll talk about the drug den bill coming up in five minutes. Mike Douglas Show. Now, weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. With the big news of the day, here's more of the Mike Douglas Show. Now, weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. 
And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your personal concierge for conversation. And uh, of late, we've been conversing about the state of emergency that Governor Gavin Newsom has declared about uh, monkeypox. By the way, this uh, just in from Ashley Zavala, reporter. I believe she's now with KCRA News. Uh, She says, California lawmakers uh, are forming or have formed a select committee on monkeypox, which will be chaired by, drumroll please, yep, Scott Weiner. Yes, the group will look into state and local response and the impact upon the LGBTQ community. They're going to start meeting on August 9th. There we go. What do you think of this uh, state of emergency? 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. And uh, let's, uh, let's go to Oakdale. Is it uh, Gavin Rose in Oakdale? I've got, I've just, the, my one eye that I had operated on is now going totally foggy. I'm so I apologize as I've messed up your name. Okay, Mike, this is Rose from Oakdale. Rose from Oakdale. I got it. Okay, I can and, see that now okay, through the phone. First of fog. all, I love your show. I love your show. You're just awesome. Oh, thank you, Rose. Okay, I have a Gavin Newsom story. How about that? Okay, go for it. Okay, it was when first everything, when it was first everything was shut down. Okay, I have to slow down a little bit because this is, okay. When everything was shut down pretty much, and I have a friend that works for a Starbucks. So Gavin Newsom and his bodyguard, they walk in. He had some gal with him. They're not sure if it was his wife or his daughter. So they walk into a Starbucks, and then, um, of course, you couldn't sit in the Starbucks, you know, and you couldn't use their bathroom because it was only for employees at that time because of, you know, the, the pandemic. And so he walked in, he looks around, he says, oh, excuse me, you need to put your tables and chairs down because oh, also my bodyguard needs to use your restroom. And the gal said, I'm sorry, sir, but the restrooms are just for employees. Wow. And he goes, excuse me. And she said, it's just for employees. And he goes, can I speak to your manager? She goes, my manager is not here, but I have my supervisor. So he told the supervisor the story. I, you know, I tell this gal, you know, I need you to put down your chairs. We want to sit inside, and we want to use your restroom. And the gal said, I'm sorry, sir, but we can't, you can't use our restroom. It's just for employees. You can get your drink and go, out, go outside or either go through the drive through And he said, you know who I am? And these young kids don't know anything. So <laughs> the, young, the young gal is like, no, and I don't care who you are. <laughs> And oh, no. so the, there's some people on, there's some people online <laughs> there's some people online and uh, customers, and he goes, well, I'm the um, I'm the governor of the of California, and she goes, you think I really care? <laughs> and he goes, what guidelines are you going by? She goes, we're going by the guidelines of the state of California from the governor. And so then he walked out real pissy and mad. Oh, excuse my name, it's okay. He walked out really mad, but they took a picture of him before he left. He took down his mask, and they took a picture of him. And so the gal was so nervous. And the, the people in there started all clapping, you know, because he left all mad. With, he didn't buy a drink or anything. He left all mad. And so the, everybody, the, the customers are all clapping. And, and so the gal took a picture of him, and she sent it right over to her manager, you know, her district manager, and said, hey, 
this is a governor. He was in my store, and I told him he couldn't use the restroom and, and that he couldn't, buy, he couldn't sit inside. And he got real mad, and he said he was a governor of California. Am I going to get fired? And she goes, oh, heck no. Wow. Now, I, I don't want to know the store, but can, what, do you know what city this was in? It was in Fresno. Yes, it was Fresno. Down in Fresno. He okay. was down there in Fresno. Okay. Yes. This is very, in the very beginning when everything, of course, you know, you could come in and get your drink or you could go through the drive-thru, but you couldn't sit inside, you know, because that was the guidelines of California, state of California. Right. So he thinks he's all that, you know. He thinks he's above everybody. Well, that, that, that fits right in with the whole French laundry escapade, doesn't it? That's right. And so the gals, they did fax his picture. They did send his picture to corporate you know, in Seattle, Washington, and they said, no, you're not going to get in trouble for that. You know, you're just going by. And then him asking them, you know, what guidelines are you going by? They're going by his guidelines. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this, this, Rose, I think is the issue. It's the hypocrisy. It, it's the uh, multi-level right. of justice, the multi-levels of law enforcement. The laws apply to, uh, to uh, you, but not to me. Uh, th- this, this is what really, I think, troubles so many people. And I think, Rose, more and more people are tumbling to this and being aware of it. And I hope a sufficient amount of people will tumble to it by November 2022 that we can actually hit a tipping point, not only in California. I promise. Yeah. Rose, thanks for that story. That's amazing. <laughs> Rose from Oakdale. Yeah, I just thought everybody, I thought everybody would enjoy it because it's like, you know, what, why would you even ask uh, what guidelines are you going by? You I'm know? not. He knows that. I'm not surprised. Uh, I'm just not surprised. Rose, thanks for the call. Appreciate that. Can you imagine that? And the funny part is, to me, that the, the em- young employee there didn't know who he was. That's shocking. That, for, that, that's shocking for a bunch of reasons. And uh, be, because, if, especially if the employee, and I, I'm assuming that she was, of voting age, does she not know who the governor of California is nor what he looked? Now he had a mask on. Okay, I got it. So maybe that's an issue. So maybe there's an excuse there. But uh, if he identifies himself as the governor of California, uh, apparently that didn't, uh, that didn't make a whole lot of difference to this employee. And, and you know, they're good. And, and I'm, I'm glad she stood her ground because we need to start pushing back. If the rule applies to you, it apply, if the rule applies to me, then uh, Mr. or Mrs. Uh, elected official, it must apply to you as well. It must apply to you as well. And I, I just, uh, I'm, I'm not surprised by this story. If in fact all those, uh, all those uh, facts are, are accurate, they seem to be uh, from Rose from Oakdale. Uh, again, this incident apparently happening in Fresno uh, during the early days of, uh, of COVID-19. But I, in a way, are, are you surprised by that? Are you surprised at all? I'm not. I'm not surprised. And that's sad to say, isn't it? When, when you look at a governor, the head of the state of California, and you say that hypocritical actions like that are not surprising, that's a sad commentary on things, I think. So uh, now there's something else 
that Governor Newsom is being lobbied to address. This this is also interesting. Apparently, uh, state Senate Republicans here in California are asking Governor Newsom to veto a controversial drug bill. This bill would allow San Francisco, Oakland, and Los Angeles to begin pilot programs where drug addicts could use drugs safely at clinics and would provide access to overdose treatments and recovery programs. Now, I don't have a problem with overdose treatments and recovery programs. I'm all for recovery programs for effective ones. But apparently these Republican lawmakers sent a letter to uh, Governor Newsom telling him it would create what they called drug dens, which would endanger people, neighborhoods, and businesses. Uh, a lot of the Democrats apparently are pushing back, saying, no, it's going to help save lives. And uh, there was a similar bill that was vetoed by uh, Governor Jerry ba- uh, Brown back in 2018. What do you think about this? Uh, do you think it's constructive and healthy to legislatively allow drug dens where people can, quote-unquote, safely shoot up. It seems to me hypocritical on the one end. On the one side, we're saying, here's a safe place for you to shoot up dangerous drugs that will destroy your gray cells, that will contribute to your addictions. But as, you're, as you are shooting up in a safe place, we're also going to provide you with overdose treatments and recovery programs. How can you in good conscience offer recovery programs to people who you are essentially helping stick needles into their arms? Does this make any sense to you at all? What would you vote on this drug den? If this, if this, if this ever gets to us, and I doubt it would because common sense things rarely seem to get ever passed in California. But Governor Gavin Newsom uh, has the power to veto this this drug bill. Would you say to him, veto the bill? Or do you think these safe shoot-up places are a good thing? Do you think those will help? The Democrats are saying it will help save lives. Do you think it would help save lives to have safe dens of drugs where people can shoot up without being prosecuted or whatever. I, I don't know. Let me know. I'm open. I'm open to hear your opinion. 209-551-3483. Republican lawmakers say to Governor Gavin Newsom, we want you to veto this. What do you think? Can To use drugs safely at clinics. Can you ever use those types of recreational drugs safely, isn't that a misnomer? Don't you think there's deception built into this? 209-551-3483. And the Mike Douglas Show will continue in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. On air and online, take the Mike Douglas Show with you with the iHeartRadio app. Search 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We're talking about this drug den bill. Do you, do you, 
You know what that reminds me of? If, if you read the original Sherlock Holmes mysteries, of course, Sherlock Holmes was addicted to heroin. Remember that? And uh, some of the uh, scenes uh, take place in, uh, in these drug dens. So that, that flits through my mind as we're talking about that. A little bit of background on it. Uh, yesterday, uh, yeah, yesterday, Tuesday, Democrats in the California state legislator, uh, legislature passed a bill to allow the expansion of safe, quote-unquote, drug sites, uh, u- drug use sites in major cities, uh, despite the failure of a site in San Francisco's Tenderloin District in recent months. So the bill would, until, uh, what, January 1, 2028, authorize the city and county of San Francisco, county of L.A., city of Los Angeles, and city of Oakland to approve entities to operate overdose prevention programs with specialized uh, requirements. Uh, It would exempt people from civil liability, criminal sanctions, etc., in uh, in helping people apparently uh, uh, shoot up in these drug dens. So this is, uh, this, this was passed yesterday by the Democrat majority in the California legislature and governor Gavin Newsom has 12 days to decide whether to sign the bill or veto it. What do you think he will do? What do you think he will do? I would imagine he's going to use metrics one of which is the, the presidential election in 2024. I'm sure it's going through his mind. If I approve these drug dens, how is that going to play into my bid for the presidency that I'm not admitting to really yet in 2024? My, uh, I think if he says, no, it's not going to be for all the right reasons. I think it will be for possibly political reasons. And related to that, by the way, there's an op-ed piece by Joe Concha. I think, yeah, Joe Concha uh, in The Hill today. And he's talking about the fact that the Democratic Party has a, thinking about baseball, a very thin bench in terms of uh, pinch hitters for the presidency in 2024. I think that as we look at the headlines, as we look at uh, the way that many Democratic leaders across the nation are hemming and hawing when they're asked if they would support Joe Biden for uh, re-election in 2024, have you noticed how they tap dance around that? How they how they put up a lot of smoke and mirrors and they say, well, you know, I'll vote for whoever the party, you know, blah, 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 whoever the best person is. They, they, they're not going to come right out and say yes or no because their own political futures are at risk here. I don't, it, is any, any rational democratic leader saying right or thinking right now, gee, I want to make sure I'm known for supporting uh, Joe Biden for re-election in 2024. Look at his performance thus far. It's miserable. It really is. From the economy and 
you know, the, 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 the rising costs of things, the, the gasoline, eggs, you name it, inflation, 9.1%. You look at the boondoggle in Afghanistan, the horrible effects of that. You look at, he's just throwing money into Ukraine down a hole with apparently without much count, accountability attached to it. So Joe Concha is making the point that, well, there's some other names. Kamala Harris is polling worse than Joe Biden right now. Remember, her number one job was to deal with the crisis on the border, U.S. border. And as a result of her efforts or lack thereof, illegal immigrant crossings have only been increasing. And fentanyl is flowing over the border. And then there are other names they're looking at from the 2020 campaign. Uh, what about Pete Buttigieg, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Amy Klobuchar, Cory Booker, Beto O'Rourke? None of them seem to be gathering a lot of traction. So Joe Concha is saying he thinks the Democratic Party is looking very very intently at Gavin Newsom of California. Now, Gavin Newsom is a lot of what Joe Biden is not. He's smooth. He's good-looking, I guess. He is very good at, what do they call it, word salad. (laughs) He's good at saying a lot, sometimes without saying much. And he's taking on Florida. He's thrown down the gauntlet against Florida. But Contra makes the point that he says, simply put, the Golden State is a mess. Homelessness, crime, and drugs are out of control from Los Angeles to San Francisco. So if you look at performance, why would the Democratic Party want to um, want to put up Gavin Newsom as their candidate. Californians' unemployment rate is the seventh highest in the country. Our poverty rate is higher than any other state. We have the highest income taxes in America, 13.3%. Major companies and even citizens are, are fleeing for states like Texas and Utah. United Van Lines reports in 2018 to 2019, 50% of the moves in California were families fleeing the state. In 2021, that figure jumped to nearly 60%. People are leaving California. And where are they going, by and large? Texas. 7,500 California families apparently have gone to Texas. And then Oracle, Tesla, Hewlett-Packard Enterprise, they've all moved their headquarters there. Now, Concha says Newsom is infinitely younger and more polished than Biden, has much better hair. (laughs) What's more, he's willing to fight more aggressively with Republicans like Governor Ron DeSantis. I don't know. I don't know. It's important that we vote November 2022, November 2024. Thanks for joining us today. I'll rejoin you for more conversation on The Mike Douglas Show tomorrow at 3 here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.